science was kind of the bad guy, unless it was like Ken Ham science, unless it was science that specifically <laughs> pointed to against evolution and for creation. Otherwise, that's, science that's was science with heavy, heavy air quotes that were not disclosed. But lowercase yes. s. Ken Ham, the scientist. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can always yeah. find a scientist that will agree with your bizarre religious beliefs. It's great. Drive a Prius, have a garden, smoke some weed, and you know what? Save the owls. Welcome to Holy Ghosting, a podcast about deconstruction from your middle-aged mom friends. I'm Lindsay, and I was not allowed to watch Fern Gully growing up because of the environmental agenda. And I'm Meg, and I didn't know that the environment mattered when I was a kid, like recycling or being kind to our planet. So... That was weird. And I'm Sarai, and I grew up in a community based on the timber industry, and my dad worked in a mill when I was a kid, so I guess you could probably assume what my family was about in this age, too. We did not preserve the spotted owls. In fact, this is my longest intro yet, and I'm going to make this now a new thing that I'm just going to keep trying to break this record. One time I went with my friend Tiffany to her grandparents' house in Centralia, Washington, and one of the things they had in their house was a jar with a stuffed owl in it, and on it, it had a label like it was jam. It wasn't a real owl, guys, oh. so don't freak out. <laughs> <Okay>. It <laughs> said, preserve the spotted owls, and it was the f- I thought it was the funniest joke I'd ever seen in my life. It was like the funniest <laughs> gag gift. I laughed. I was like, this is so clever. That's my vibe as a like 12-year-old kid. Right. Screw those owls. Um, I think I like I was for getting ready for this episode because I wanted to nerd out on Christians and the environment because that's what we're talking about today, folks. We just really went from intro just straight into the episode. So welcome to 2023 in which we are really we've got our shit together, guys. We know what we're doing now. <laughs> we are professional so professionals. And season two, we are talking about taboos. We are talking about putting those square pegs into round holes, like all of those weird little bits. Holes. Those, holes. <laughs> we putting things into holes. Mm-hmm. We're we're talking about all the, the, the people, the things, the, the politics, the beliefs that didn't really fit with the evangelicalism of our youth and kind of looking, taking a closer look. And one of those things is the environment. And the environmental agenda. And we were talking about earlier, maybe someday we'll just do an episode on agendas because there was a lot of them, y'all. There were so many agendas that they were trying to get you with. All those all those liberal television programming with all their agendas. Yep. Well, let me tell you. I was when we were kids, a lot of them. We were taught to stay woke about <laughs> agendas that other people had about right. us. But now there's <laughs> a woke agenda, too. So it's like there's a lot. There's a lot. So much. Layers. We were Christian woke. We were woke to that they were always trying to get us onto their side. They were always trying to indoctrinate us with the, you know, the fleeting pursuits of of this mortal earth. So, and it's so weird that the indoctrination that we were getting was the thing that was shutting us off from just exposure <laughs> to other ideas. I know. Oh, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> That's is it. It oh, wait, was that the goal? I'm sorry. I get... 
I will have to talk about the evangelical agenda sometime. So let's just put a pin in it. Why does no one call it that? Why does no one call it that? I would like to reframe it as we were all raised on the the evangelical agenda. Excuse me. We were definitely not raised. We were not raised on the environmental agenda. As I said in my intro, I was not allowed to watch Fern Gully because they were like, fairies and they were trying to protect the forest and how dare they so you know like what is that it's like uh, the four it's like is it because it was fairies protecting the forest and not our lord and savior obviously i remember pocahontas too that was one oh yeah which is oh the mother yeah now i don't watch pocahontas because racism Racism. washing of history yeah but i wasn't but the tree the like yeah new agey and ancestral knowledge was like bad that's a problem. In That's the also, 90s. Not the whole like raping, pillaging, killing no. natives. That wasn't. Uh, no, that part was fine. Well, that was God. <laughs> For children. God told us we had to. So that's it's history. Y'all, it's history. It's and you not, have to learn it's from manifest it. manifest destiny. To, and you have to put statues up about it because if we don't, then we'll never learn anything. So clearly. let's build some so. monuments to the horrendous acts of our past. Thanks, I mean, ancestors. Fu- the fun thing about living in Oregon is that, like, literally everything is named after Lewis and Clark. Like, oh, yeah. everything. Yeah. Like, everything. We, we got those white guys came over here and they were just like, oh, this is mine. This is yep. mine. This Trudging is Trudging through the land and claiming it for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd like to posit a legislative agenda item just real quick for Oregon. Great. I yeah. would love this for us to the legislators revert. listen to this, right? I'm pretty sure all of them all do. To, yeah, mm-hmm. it's how they stay informed about the issues, of course. So they're where their main <laughs> special interest group is Holy and we Ghost. Are there constituents? That is true. For, at least for they several to of our elected officials at the state level. My thing is, if we revert everything back to the indigenous names, I'm into that minus Cape Disappointment because mm. that was named by Lewis and Clark, and I think Cape Disappointment is a hilarious name and every time I see it I honestly just like it makes me laugh because I imagine them just getting there like all bedraggled and worn from this insanely long journey and they just pull up into like Cape Disappointment like yeah let's we're partying down we're at the ocean and they're like fuck it's not the ocean fuck it's rainy here that's yeah, it's just like a bay and like we came all this way for this they were sorely disappointed i also really enjoy over by like astoria i feel like there's a lot of weirdly named things kind of over in that area that i've yeah. noticed but my favorite one over there is dismal niche yes <laughs> that's a good one as well you can tell what? that how they were feeling when so they disappointed these yeah they yeah were- these white bummed. dudes were like, you know what? Fuck this shit. Okay. I came we're here for it. the sun and the sand and the beach and the mermaids and none of that shit is here. Yeah, and I'm like, bye. village for this. <laughs> I can't remember if it was Lewis or Clark who was morbidly depressed, but that actually does now track. Just thinking yeah, about all does. these names, Dismal Niche, that's the name of my witch house. I'm going to name <laughs> something. Okay. I'm going to build a twig house and I'm going to name it Dismal Niche. All right. So but anyway. To a great start. <laughs> Um, clearly we, like I said, we're professionals. So I want to talk about what we were taught about the environment as young, eager evangelicals and who were raised as creationists. I think most of us were raised as young earth creationists. So we were taught that the earth is God's creation and it was created by God, not by a big bang, mind you, by God himself. And I remember being taught that. And then that's where things get interesting because (laughs) 
I feel like we were taught, you know, things that maybe contradict the fact that maybe we should take care of the earth that the the good Lord created for us and gave to us. What were you taught, Sarai? What were the messages around the environment in your youth? The way around the cognitive dissonance one might have around exploiting God's creation for the gain of industry long term. I mean, that's where we, we are now. That's basically a very short history of what happened. Um was that the earth is here to provide humans with resources. And those resources are for us to use. I think my gramps summed it up best when he said, who cares about climate change or mine strip mining or any of these other practices that are clearly damaging to the earth? Because it's all going to burn anyway. Use it up while we have it. That's... Ugh. Damn. Really, I think in that a hurts nutshell, my heart thing. so bad. Oh it's my gosh! Bleak, but it's also like, but it's so being honest. The, like that yeah. is. I think bad. he was representing a very American way of thinking about everything. You know, we yeah. we're a country of people that came here to exploit this land that somebody discovered once, <laughs> and then had to, as we already mentioned, commit many atrocities and genocides to take it over for our own use and then exploit that land. That's, I mean, and then to say that we're doing that under the banner of God, of course, that makes it all make sense somehow. Does it? Yeah. Like how, how, help me with that connector piece because I believed all of this stuff. Like this is, but I never, like there's a missing gap in that connector for me of God created the earth he said, be fruitful, multiply, care for it, name the animals, like care for the animals, care for the vegetation. And then and, and he made this like perfect garden place, which had fruit trees and food and the earth just provided. It just was this like wealth of nourishment. And then there were running streams with clean water. And it's like that is such a beautiful Sunday school story about how God decided this is the earth that then I will put man on. Like first he created all of these amazing things. And then he was like, I want someone to enjoy it, to nurture it, to participate in this environment. And I'm going to create man in my likeness. How did we get from that to stealing everything from the land for our own I don't know. I guess it's capitalism. <laughs> it always comes back to capitalism. It's literally it? patriot. It's patriarchy, white supremacy, capitalism, colonialism. That's the answer the, to every question we ever have. Yeah. Those and four things. Sorry if we sound like a broken record, but I mean, it really does come back to all that. It's interesting. So funny you ask, Meg, because mm -hmm. I did a little, I did a little reading on the subject because that's always been my big question mark with the environment and evangelicals and like you Sarai I grew up you know listening to Rush Limbaugh and I thought the whole spotted owl thing I just remember it being ridiculous you know that we're gonna say wait these what owls. was that like okay, so, so I remember the spotted up, owl going okay endangered species were a really big deal just to me personally mm -hmm. as a kid I don't know where it came from or how it started but I started supporting the wildlife foundation <laughs> at a pretty young age because it terrified me to think that there were going to be animals that were going extinct that we would never have on the earth again. 
I didn't even know that we already had lost so many different types of animals. I mean, dinosaurs, sure. But I had no idea that there were just different types of fish that no longer exist or birds or other mammals. or So I, I heard about the spotted owl being endangered. And the only thought that I had as a kid was like, yeah, there's no reason why we need to be clear cutting or basically just deleting entire ecosystems. But what did Christian say about it? What was Rush saying? Well, it all I goes back pause to- Pause Yep. Sorry, Lindsay. I do not want to step on your transition and your answer. So I'm going to let that drum roll happen in one second. I just need to say- what were Christians saying slash what was Rush Limbaugh saying in itself is such a revealing little phrase. It's the same. He it's wasn't same. a Christian even. No. So that's but they the all Wait, what? <laughs> he he was like the mouthpiece. No, he didn't. He's never professed. So people just so. went from televangelist to Rush Limbaugh in some transitional time and everyone well, kind of. He was big on protecting religious liberty and okay. he was super conservative and Christians were always thought of like you had to be conservative to be Even Christian adult. and so he just became I mean I'm sh- I know he knew how to talk to yeah. Christians but I don't believe he ever touted himself as one and so the spotted owl thing became a big deal because it was an endangered species and people were lobbying to protect them um over the logging industry. So that's where okay. people got mad because logging the logging industry had to change their practices and they lost money and they lost jobs. So we were putting oh. the life of an animal over the lives of people, supposedly. So it yeah. was like, never mind, one... you can just change your logging practices <laughs> or you need to like update with the times or there's ways for like you to still log and which fast forward kill happened. Right. Yeah. I mean, but like we saved the spotted owl and loggers are fine. Like, the logging industry was fine. It, sure. There's so <laughs> many things. I mean, this is... I I guess... I feel like I'm in a really weird place, y'all. I, I have to uh, confess that maybe I need to say where my state of mind is before we continue on this podcast today because I just keep feeling like a collision of logical conclusions in my head about everything and I'm like normally I'm like this is a solution to this problem oh we can just try this this way here's another way we can exploit capitalism to feed the masses you know like that kind of thing but at this moment I legitimately like today I was at the doctor and I was like yeah I feel good health wise because we celebrated our five-year anniversary as doctor and patient relationship and uh she said yeah and it's just gonna get better and I was like oh my god I don't think that about anything right now. Thank you for letting me digress a little bit. But but Mm. partly what I'm thinking about this and what's so wild is like it literally is again. It really does actually stem from white supremacy, capitalism, colonialism and uh, patriarchy, mainly from the capitalism side and the patriarchy side. So basically what happened in Oregon with the timber industry Welcome to the Holy Ghosting podcast, mostly about Oregon issues all the time. So you're welcome, everyone. But this is true for the it's Pacific what we Northwest. Know. I mean, it was our main industry here and the main employer and for a long time. But I think where my brain is getting like ah! about it is 
because we lost that revenue from supposedly from the protection of these environmental issues, which is not actually why, by the way. It's a lot more about NAFTA. It's a lot. I mean, you got a lot, a lot of things <laughs> that were different. And so, <laughs> but Wait, so the, you're saying that Rush Limbaugh simplified an issue down to uh, made it a, about one thing yeah. so that he could push his political ideology on everybody. Oh, guys, I feel like Rush Limbaugh had a Rush Limbaugh agenda. <laughs> oh, my God. There's another agenda. And you know what? He was so good at finding those fears. And mm. let me tell you, white evangelicals are afraid of everything. That's why we everything. weren't allowed to listen to anything or watch anything or be in the world because the fear. And that's where so much of this, I think, that Christians didn't start out being against the environment. I think that there are there are some theologies that people started plucking and you know there's like kind of like what your grandpa said there's the end times theology like if jesus yes. comes back and the whole world's going to shit it's gonna burn why anyways. does it matter yeah and everyone every generation of christians thinks he's coming back now in my yeah. lifetime and you know barack obama's the antichrist or whatever right and <laughs> do i know that pe people who believe that yes yes i do i know um, it's so wild isn't it so, it's like so if you guys who are listening don't know what i'm talking about then Good for you. I'm really <laughs> grateful that you didn't know people who thought Barack Obama was the Antichrist. Pray for us. They did not think that of Trump, of course. Um, so there's that. The end times thing, sure, kind of makes sense. Then there's dominion theology. Ooh, Tell dominion. me more. So dominion theology comes from Genesis 128, which is when said and god blessed them and god said unto them be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and every living thing that moveth upon the earth so that's kind of what we were talking about sorry where it's like this is ours and mm. we can do with it what we want because god told us and i will say the thing is that's interesting i did a little bit more deep diving is that people there are sections of christianity that believe that essentially with this like dominion over the earth that means we need to like convert the whole earth to christianity so that uh so that the lord can come back mm -hmm. and so it's like about expanding the kingdom and like the environment doesn't because in their mind this is a greater calling the mm. calling to save people's souls is more important than saving the earth who needs earth to live on when you can just live in heaven for the rest of your life so um well but isn't jesus gonna make us a new earth or something like he's gonna get well, right. rid of so this old this dirty one, need, yeah, one that one. yeah that's another fun bit of theology and i don't feel like i was ever i don't remember hearing that maybe preached from a pulpit i think it more kind of I mean, I do remember the call to evangelize, you know, to go to every nation and, you know, yeah. waiting for Jesus to come back. The hope of heaven, like that was very, very, very big. So I think it's the underlying theme there is that like whether or not it's said explicitly, like this earth doesn't matter so much because we're longing towards like this perfection with Jesus in heaven. So it doesn't really matter what you do here. Um, well, and I remember the, the conversation about like, dominion over the fish and the fowl and it it wasn't it wasn't explained to me in this way but I think I intuited that it just meant that they were here for us to consume to use to have like they don't have a purpose except for us to consume or have dominion over them and 
that that's why animal cruelty, I think, is something that happens in Christian homes because pets are not equal to us. So therefore, we have control and dominion over them. That means we can be abusive and it's not abusive because they're, quote, just an animal. And that justification is God gave us control over the animals and the earth. So therefore, whatever choices we make are okay because we're in charge. Man's in charge. What that brings up for me, too, is I was uh, as a, a young person, and I know you were too, Meg. I don't know about you. I can't remember, Lindsay. But when when I was a kid, young person, I was probably older, like not a child anymore, but 18, 19, 20, whatever. I was vegetarian for a while. And man, did my family hate that. Like yeah. it was <laughs> offensive to them that I wouldn't eat meat for a while. And it was yes. interesting what? to me because I never asked anybody to do anything for me about it. I was just like, <laughs> yeah, I'll eat my own things. It's fine. But it was it was really like against their values almost to not be consuming animals. And I don't know. I mean, I I mean, secondary to that, to the timber industry is also the the meat industry and the way that in America we're mass producing at the lowest quality of care and concern for the animal or their well-being. Um, I'm, I'm here to stand for PETA just forever. I think that humane treatment of animals is what God intended when he said you have dominion over them. Because if if that is the mandate, the mandate is be kind. Like, don't be an asshole. That's just also, kind of the gist of the Bible. Existing on the planet and coexisting with other creatures, whether there's a God that said anything or not, it doesn't make any sense that we would be brutal toward yeah. anything. And I think this is, again, it's industry, it's capitalism, it's the unchecked growth of production and overproduction. And that's, I'd say uh, it was later vegan. You know, big dairy also has a big hand in this stuff, too. Yeah. It's not good practices are not happening at a large scale and we're worse before. So at least there's been some light shown on it. So yes, hail PETA. And, and as Americans, we had this like, you eat meat with every meal. Like I remember as a mm -hmm. kid, it was like mm -hmm. eggs or milk with cereal or, you know, sausages for breakfast on a Saturday. And then meat sandwiches. Like I always had meat sandwiches in my lunch and I would like take the meat part out. My mom will let you know I was hiding meat sandwiches um, as a little kid because I refused to eat them and I was scared I don't know that why, but some... just calling it a meat sandwich is so funny to me. Like I know. it makes it's it literally I was like it... being like a turkey sandwich or I don't a ham no. sandwich or whatever. It was a meat sandwich. The meat part was the part <laughs> some that sort of was unidentified terrible. meat on bread. It's Generally. like was it bologna? Yeah. They were all in those like round shapes. They were just lunch yes. meat. I don't know Rest what that was. Meats. It's just mm. meat, meat sandwich. My, my dad like hates processed meat. So uh, like he doesn't eat hot dogs, hates bologna. So that was never in my house. So I didn't get like that kind of meat sandwich. But yes, we were. We did get fancier meat. deli meats at times. Ooh. We did have some, you know, like where you get cheese and lettuce and tomato. And like I liked doing all of that because I would just take all the meat out and eat mm -hmm. a cheese sandwich with lettuce and tomato. It was like so delicious. But well, let me tell y'all, my priest is vegan. So, you know, it is possible to be in the church and not eat meat. Did you? Did Shocking. You know? That oh, is. No. It is also possible. Good luck going to a potluck. Uh, <laughs> I go know. on. 
I know. It's it always, is also possible I, to not eat, to be a meat eater, or like consume meat and not have it at every single meal every single day. This is like a weird uh, conundrum, American I think, for thing. a lot of Americans that they're like, wait, what do you mean by that? Like, I don't, you eat, but you know, back yeah. in the 80s, well, we got the because- food pyramid and the food pyramid gave us a really clear indication of how much meat and dairy and cheese we should be eating because the meat and dairy industries got involved well, with that. It was all that. paid for by lobbyists. Y'all go listen to Maintenance Phase. They will get into all of that. They are my favorite podcast and they do a whole episode on the food pyramid and it's incredible. Let um, me just sum gonna- up every podcast ever and say literally everything is about lobbyists. Okay, go on. <laughs> Which is about capitalism. So and I am going to bring it to... Our good, good friend, Paul. Oh, fuck that guy. Oh, yeah. come on. <laughs> Hate that guy. I thought we were going to talk about Rush. They're both I was in the same for, boat. I was waiting for that reaction. I know how sorry I feel about Paul. Thank you for <laughs> so, leading up to it that way. I was yeah, shocked yeah. and horrified. Drum roll, please. So I think that the, another reason why Christians are so weird about animals and maybe not treating them kindly is, again, coming from fear. And Paul stoked a fair amount of fear. And this is Romans 125, where he says, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. And people, I have heard that verse quoted one bazillion times where it's like, you're worshiping this animal or this earth over the creator. You're valuing their life over, you know, over the lives of humans or unborn babies. That was always the argument. I remember like, oh, you huh. want to save the animals, but you don't want to save unborn babies. You know, it was like this. Oh, it, it was this thing it's a like this you're or that. worshiping that. Yeah, you can't do both. Uh-huh. And and I'm not saying that like that versus the soul, which one, but it was like, I feel like what happened is when Christians and Republicans joined hand in hand, people like Rush Limbaugh were able to take this sort of thinking and just ran with it. It, it became an either or. You cannot love God and love animals and want to protect them and their lives and the earth and whatever and trees and, and all of those things. You cannot be. And so I found this. There was this article in Christianity Day that I found and it said that if you're pro-life, it is assumed you cannot be pro-environment. If you're a patriot, you supposedly cannot also be a conservationist. In the U.S., if you're an environmentalist, it is assumed you're a Democrat. If you're a Republican, mm. it is assumed that you cannot also be pro-environment. In other words, somehow environmental advocacy has become pigeonholed into a particular political profile and has become guilty by association. And it's just That's weird so to dumb. watch in our lifetime how this has like snowballed and turned because it wasn't that way the bible doesn't mm. say like don't I protect like the, the animals tells us to be good to the earth right so it just is like again going back to like how christianity got in bed with republican politics and that makes sense for republicans because then big businesses don't have to be held liable you know they don't have to change their practices they can fucking dump oil wherever they want and they can chop down whatever trees they want in the name of making money but then like you you tap into those Christian fears about like, well, oh gosh, I can't love anything more than God. And if I'm protecting this owl, then maybe, you know, then I'm worshiping the owl or some, I don't know. Yes. The idolatry uh, connection there is something I've never considered before, but that makes so much logical sense in that fear mongering way. Wow. It's buck wild. It's just like, you guys, it's, you don't have to be, one thing you know it's like and i will say 
in doing research, you know, in this day and age, there are some Christian for the environment groups. It is sort of there are some Christians who believe in climate change. And I will say the climate change debate really ramped up after my childhood. It was in later years. So I'm sure that, you know, had it been it existed, obviously, but it wasn't quite the talking point that it is now. Now that we all are like, oh, shit, this is happening. And like we had children and what have we done? <laughs> Do you guys have those thoughts sometimes? Like, yeah. Well, I mean, in the 80s, yes. I think, you know, the the people in charge, our parents' generation and, and older, they were very much in tune with things like the microwave or Tupperware or Ziploc bags, like things that were one-time use, things that were not reusable. Recycling was not a thing people talked about. The idea of caring for the environment, really, in my mind, it only was like, let's keep the forests forested or let's make sure that the rivers are clean. Don't throw trash in the ocean. But beyond that, science wasn't real. So anything that a scientist said about the world warming or about the weather shifting or about us seeing, you know, we didn't. It was theorized, I think. We weren't seeing it. Our parents weren't seeing it happen. They were like, everything seems fine. It's sunny and beautiful. And now, as we have aged, you know, 20, 30 years have gone by. And all of those, all of those things that those scientists were saying, we're now starting to see happen. The amount of weather that we're experiencing in the United States, the different types of flooding, ice storms, snow, we're, we're seeing things that we have never seen. And fires, our parents haven't seen. Our, yeah, the fires. Our, our grandparents haven't seen these things. So we are living in a different environment and we have to act differently within that environment because it's not the same. And I don't want my kid to never get to have summers because we can't go outside because fires and the air is bad. Like that sounds like a terrible thing. So we have to do something about it. And even if we can't completely reverse the harm that we've caused, we have to at least slow it, stop it, or shift it in whatever way that we can. I mean, at least that's what I want. Yeah, we got to come up with new ways. And I think that the saddest thing is, is that, like, I believe that my faith tells me to take, like, taking care of the earth is also how we take care of each other. Yeah. And it is also symbiotic. And I think that there. There's nothing like, you know, looking at science, you know, like you're you're saying, Meg, like science was kind of the bad guy, unless it was like Ken Ham science, unless it was science that specifically <laughs> pointed to against evolution and for creation. Otherwise, that's, science that's was science with heavy, heavy air quotes that were not disclosed. Lowercase yes. S. Ken Ham, the scientist. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 You can always yeah. find a scientist that will agree with your bizarre religious beliefs. I would like to also point out, I think one of the things that I find really interesting is that it is true, like there is a vein of Christianity that is all about the wonder of the world and nature and mm. appreciating that, like all creatures great and small, how great thou art, like the reason why that song is so beautiful is like it does, it talks about such awesome things that happen in nature. I, I love that part of it. I think that one of the pieces that makes that also possible is there's a really different thing between conservationists and environmentalists. Mm. And I think we 
like while it might seem they're kind of on the same page, like, yeah, we need to preserve nature. We need to make it beautiful, whatever. Conservationists are more about let's do that in national parks and let's do that in mm. certain spaces that are just extra, extra beautiful that we shouldn't exploit because they're too beautiful. But we don't do that universally or we don't do it. We don't create conservational practices across the board. We just do it in spots that are special. And mm. so that conservationism goes along with like that's a Teddy Roosevelt style of kind of approaching mm -hmm. the environment mm -hmm. we live in. Environmentalism is more talking about like the the things that you just mentioned, Meg, about climate change, about destroying, poisoning things, endangering species, all of that stuff that happens as a matter of course, because we are continuously exploiting the entire world's environment for capitalism, we're extracting and we're processing and we're putting trash back out rather than truly seeing like, how could we conserve across the board and keep the earth beautiful and feed it? Instead, we we take from it, we, we extract, we extract, we extract. And that's, that's, I think, two different things. I also want to say with environmentalism, one of the one of the other realities is like in in some cases, I think environmentalism, while it is more often associated with kind of left wingishness, there is also this this truth where I think that the right and left wings are not just stretched out far apart from each other. Like this this tip fringe is not further away from this tip fringe than mm. That like as it looks, that's what we think. The further left you are, the more, you know, you're just super liberal or something. I think they all they like it's a circle <laughs> and the fringes of the right and the left wings actually like come together and kind of become almost the same in a weird way. It's like you can have a fundamentalist Mormon polygamy secessionist person making essential oils alongside a permaculture hippie freegan i was i was literally just gonna make the essential oil joke because it's definitely the fringes of the left and the right that come anti back to same right. thing They're, yes it's yeah. the same 100%. like you don't know yes. what people's political leanings are on these extreme things because they're extremes because they they then align in this extreme way it's so fascinating to me because anyway i i think it's important for us to notice though that like there are parts and pieces that make it make sense and while we're tearing it apart and talking and talking and talking about it, it's also true that most people don't think that deeply about stuff. And when we're mm. taught from our religion, God said this, your pastor's saying it. The theologian that your pastor learned from is saying it. The school mm -hmm. that theologian went to is saying it. Martin Luther said it. Calvin <laughs> said it. Like that is a history of theology that is fed to people and they accept it as truth because that's what we're taught to think. It's really hard to investigate that truth and and even to see the holes in it when your whole world is created and like you're in the Truman Show. In the evangelical life was like living in the Truman Show where it's all curated mm -hmm. and completely made around your experience as a person on this planet. Well, and to throw out another little but you know a lefty buzzword here it all comes down to privilege right because mm -hmm. i think that so much of it is that these environmental issues do not affect us personally we are at a place most evangelicals are white middle class to you know affluent and 
we do have water, we have food, we have green trees, we have, you know, we have access. So it's hard to see, like, we're not seeing the polar ice caps melting right in front of our eyes. And so I think that so much we have been sheltered from a lot of the world that we choose. We choose to stick our heads in the sand about things. And, you know, so much of that comes from fear. And a lot of it just comes from straight privilege and just how we are raised and the fact that, like, you know, it's it's kind of sad to me that until I got much older and I didn't realize like how many of these things affect other people. You know, you go to other countries where like their forests have been decimated and they don't have we have their livelihoods are just gone because their whole way because yep. it's all changed. And in America, we just figure out like new systems or we just like hide it or, you know, whatever. Or we just <laughs> we just push it to the global south. I mean, that's the the mm-hmm. truth is like the Western hemisphere and all of that kind of industrial revolution and all the things that were happening in Western Civ class. <laughs> oh, we we shoved all those consequences onto the global South. And now they are a little bit coming home to roost. I mean, we, we do experience these massive fires every summer now in a place that, you know, used to be rainy until at least after 4th of July. <laughs> like mm-hmm. by the time you're in mm-hmm. school at the beginning of September here, it's like, okay, it's raining now and it's going to be chilly and rainy for the rest of my life until like two glorious months of just the perfect, perfect summer. But we don't get that anymore. And it's and I think this is one of those things, too, where it's like when it becomes more real for you, whether you attribute it to the same problems or not, like you, we know, I believe and think this is demonstra- demonstrably true through science, but some people don't choose to believe in science either. So then I don't know what to do with that that our climate here has changed drastically. It's very different than it was when we were kids, like completely different world and even different than it was 10 or 15 years ago, like very, very different. Sorry, you had mentioned some stories and and, and I kind of always go back to this like Sunday school belief system that I grew up with. And it, it is true. There, there was this very beautiful picture painted for me as a kid about the earth and all of God's creatures and how we're all like made to live together and coexist. And there was a really beautiful story there that was told. And I think if that had also been translated into the caring for the environment, it would have seemed so natural and so right to me. That's why for me as a kid, when everything happened with the spotted owl, my natural brain took me to, yeah, obviously, like, because I also understood ecosystems. And I learned that in creationism. I learned about ecosystems. And to take even that creationist ecosystem of how everything helps one another, there's predators, there's food sources for animals, um, the, the microbe relationships in the forest beds, how mushrooms help support life and every single bug has a role to play. That is what to me made creation so vastly fascinating was how everything was so purposeful. Everything had a system in place that coexisting together actually helped support longevity of a species, of a planet, of a place And to take all of that away and just say, it's mine, I do what I want, get out of my way, I'm going to burn it down, I'm going to take it, I'm going to make my fortune, I'm going to make a monetary fortune here on earth is against everything that the Bible stands for. 
It is not about gaining riches on this earth. So I'm confused. Maybe some evangelicals could help me understand, like, where's the, where am I missing it? Where are these missing pieces of how you go from this Sunday school, beautiful Christian story of earth and creationism and, you know, symbiotic relationship with the earth and everything around us to raping and pillaging and killing and taking, um, I don't know. It seems backwards. It's super backwards. And like I said, like the kind of the the things I rattled off are like what I understand on like a head level. I don't understand it from a heart level. Like honestly, yeah, my faith to me feels like it informs like if if this was all like given to us um, and it is beautiful and we want to keep it that way and we want to give it as a gift to the future and like. I think that that's why so much like I've gotten into reading like reading a little bit from Caitlin Curtis, who's like a native scholar and she is also a Christian and she just has like so much. It's even like our interview with Dr. Melissa Bird, like there are ways to be if you want to be a Christian and love nature and love the earth, like God speaks through those things. Mm. I believe that with my whole heart, whether or not you do, that's totally okay. But that's where it's just interesting that evangelical christians republican christians white patriarchal christians have somehow decided that like protecting corporations is like more biblical or more right than protecting like uh, again Mm. i don't know if this comes from i think a lot of it is being manipulated by fear by being sheltered by and i think a lot of it comes from you know, this thought of like taking our rights away. And mm. if if you pull the thread and you start to, you take those rights of corporations away, then I guess they're coming for your churches and you're going to lose your nonprofit status. And I mean, I know, I know that it's not all about nonprofit status for churches, but they're so afraid they're going to be forced to hire people that are, that are gay or they mm. might have to hire or whatever. You know, there was, that was the fear. They might have to welcome just, people. Yeah. They're going to force you to do things that, you know, we want to, like, live in autonomy. So I guess that means everyone gets that means corporations can do whatever they want. So that way churches can do whatever they want without. Uh, Again, this is a guess. I don't I don't (laughs) fully know, because to me, if you read the Bible and you care about like what Jesus had to say, the two do not go hand in hand. And yet somehow they did, at least in, in all of our upbringings, like the environment was. It was taboo, and that's why we're talking about in the season. It was not okay to be a Christian and want to protect the earth and to believe in climate change and the amount of cognitive dissonance that people have. This one feels like the jump is, at least with, like, abortion, I get it. I get where they come to their logical conclusion, right? It That tracks. But this one does not track. I mean, like I said, I went like, sure, Dominion theology. That still feels like a stretch. The end times, like, I don't know in this day and age how many. That makes sense to me because we were raised thinking that Jesus was coming back. Like, my sister didn't. She did not apply to colleges because she thought she was going to be martyred for the Lord. Like, we were pretty convinced we're all going to die in our lifetime. So, sure. We are going to die in our lifetime. But, yes. (laughs) Oh, right. I mean. But but for the Lord. Early. Yeah, we were going to die in the 90s. Not rapture-wise. Yeah. For the Lord. I couldn't imagine my life after 25 when I was young. Like, until I was 25. And I'm like, whoa, I I didn't think I'd be 25 at all. Right. We made it, guys. We made it. I just really wanted to have sex before jesus came back and i Mm. i made it guys 
I did I'm it. So proud I of got you. there. I'm just really so happy. I'm so, so glad too. Honestly, little the more Lindsay. of that, the better. Yep. <laughs> thing is, oh, you guys, our upbringings were so. Mm-hmm. I mean, do we have any more thoughts on the environment? Obviously. So here's the thing. I don't think we need to get a lot into where we are now. I think that we all. I think we. Should I think we get it. Climate change. Yeah, I think we all. <laughs> Where we how many plants are in your house? I just I, I'm well over the hundreds. I, I don't count. I've literally yeah. never counted my plants. I can't. Imagine. We're all that's like God counting every hair on my head. What a waste of time. No, we're like gardeners and composters. Like if you could take an image of 40 year old women who live in Oregon and are democratic socialists that just just. You know, it's, you run fine. with you, that. You figured it out, bitch. I drive a fucking Subaru Outback. Okay, I drive a Prius. Girls, <laughs> uh, me and my man share ourselves a hybrid Rav Four. Oh, so, one car, one car, family, bitches. <laughs> Hello, this is embarrassing for us. We're like a total trope. <laughs> we are. Oh. Join us anytime. Come on over to the dark side because being a ghosty is damn good. I like it. It's great. Drive a Prius, have a garden, smoke some weed, and you know what? Save the owls. Yeah. And, you know, green hearts all around. That's all I got to say. Green hearts. Let's all celebrate the fact that creation still exists. I like it. I think it's really, really valuable for us to continuously stress that we're not talking about the beautiful parts of religion that actually are heart opening and that are pointing out the wonder of being alive and the good things about it. It's easy to conflate. And like when we talk about it, it's easy for us to sort of generalize about, oh, Christians, this and this and this. We're specifically talking American evangelicalism, which is itself fully and completely embedded in colonizing this nation and all of those other isms and archies that I've constantly talk about but it is true that that is the basis of our religion and it's not only rampant in evangelicalism but american culture at large and our political system so having religion and politics be so interlinked like they are between evangelicalism and the republican party it does make it hard to separate out what's religion and what's politics but it is all kind of one in the same so i think Religion being used in order to advance political agendas, nothing new there. That's We've been doing that since the first, second generation or the establishment of like Christianity as a real religion. And that is just true. And we don't talk about those parts of it when we're learning. We learn about church history when we're kids in evangelicalism from like the second Paul started writing all his stuff. And then there were martyrs. We just love the martyr part. We talk about the martyrs for a long time. And they, it wasn't even that long. It was like a, <laughs> maybe 100 years. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm not talking just all over the place. I know that people are persecuted for their religious beliefs all over the, all the time, everywhere. But Christians also persecute other people who have different religious beliefs. We came here to be able to persecute people. We weren't necessarily fleeing persecution. Yeah, we were we were following the discovery doctrine and the the manifest destiny shit. Yes, and like so there are there are many faiths and religions that are really honoring to creation and to the earth. And as I've gotten older and explored some of those, whether it be witchcraft or whether it be being Episcopal, like there are places where both of those can coexist. And like one of one of the most dark, one of my favorite 
things about the Episcopal Church, and I know others do this. I'm sure Catholics would have you as St. Francis Sunday at our church is the blessing of the pets, and we bring our animals, and our priest prays a blessing over them, and it is the most oh, sweet I because they care. They so they much. care. They like they pray God's blessing, and St. Francis was like the best, like just the a delightful sweetest. human who loved animals, and like those are the people of the Christian tradition that we should be talking about, and. So two years ago, we brought uh, my daughter's chicken, Majestica the chicken, and uh, my priest said it's the first chicken she ever blessed, and it was hilarious, and then we brought our kittens this year, and it was so, and it's just like, I think again, wh- what does that do in the greater, like, I don't know, but at the end of the day, it feels like you're connecting with your animals on the spiritual level, and you are wanting the same blessing and protection over them that you want for your yourself and your child, and I think that there's just something really lovely about that so and i think you're showing and teaching the kids that we love and care for one another and we love and care for animals and that there isn't a difference in kindness and that's what i want for the earth is just that kindness to envelop for animals for nature for spaces and and not just in our national forests like those are beautiful and amazing places my backyard, my neighborhood, the places that I walk around and see every day are the places that we need to be caring for. And if we can extend that kindness to our community, to the animals around us and to the nature around us, we will make a better place. Like we just will. And it's not going to be massive and we probably won't even notice, but these incremental changes in our hearts and in the next generation and the way that we teach our kids about caring for one another, that can make an impact that that can make a difference. And and we have to try, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I have to try. Well, and nature is so, it's so healing and it's a way for all of us to tap into our spirituality and like whether it be the serotonin boost I get from my kittens or whether it's just like the calm and peace that comes from taking a walk in the woods, like these things are deeply spiritual. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's okay to just embrace that and hear whatever you hear when you are out in earth and you are just taking it all in. Like, I think that there's a lot to be learned and gleaned and yeah, I don't know. I feel like I I could ramble about the, uh, I'm I'm sounding like a tree hugging hippie y'all, but I've, I've learned, you know, and we've been in a pandemic for a couple of years and shit's been real hard. And I think it's forced us to slow down and, I did start going on more walks and I started spending more time in my garden and I have adopted 1 million animals, (laughs) (laughs) but because of the joy that it brings. And I truly love these, you know, like I've had a couple chickens. I cry when chickens die because there's, they're wonderful creatures and I love them. And I'm so thankful for the eggs that they provide. And Anyways, I'm sounding like a real nerd. So I like sorry, it. I think sorry, you sound cool. Rush Limbaugh. I have really I've fallen off the wagon. I'm just gonna <laughs> switch that to a fuck you, Rush Limbaugh. Yeah. You were terrible and did bad things. I I wanna really quickly, I'm thinking about taboo as this like just as we're unpacking this over the course of this season of Holy Ghosting. The question that I always have about anything taboo is always why. I feel like I'm a little kid. I feel like I've always been a little kid, including when I was a little kid, and wanted to know why. And that's the question we're asking right now is like, wait a minute, why is environmentalism taboo? That doesn't 
actually make sense if we unpack it a little bit. I think just starting to ask those questions and kind of pick at that stray piece of thread that's sticking out of your blanket to just start to see how it's made is is valuable. And so anything that's taboo is something that probably isn't all bad. It probably has a lot to do with our, like you said, fear, our need to control, the desire for power, the desire for wealth, all of that stuff. I'm looking forward to going into all of these different topics with you guys this season. I think it's going to be really fun for us to to do that. And I think on the environmental side, yeah, have fun, enjoy the world. And let's maybe stop, you know, chopping down rainforests and polluting the oceans. I think and also, cool. like my good friend Elizabeth Warren has taught me, mm. honestly, we can all do what we can do individually. Sure. Stop using plastic straws, recycle, all of these things. Very good things. Drive a hybrid car. But at the end of the day, this falls on corporations, the government, like all these people. It is not in on the individual level that we are destroying the earth. It is motherfucking Absolutely. greedy corporations who care about profits over anything else. And like we as a society have to collectively rally together and and make them stop. They are all and Republicans are all beholden to them because they give them money and the cycle seems never ending. Of course, do what you can do on an individual level. But also I have released myself from the guilt of trying to save the earth on my own because I can't. Yeah. Absolutely. Me drinking out of a plastic straw or not is it isn't going to move the needle. Do all of us, when we stop using plastic straws, do we force corporations to change what they do and what they make? Yes, of course. Like plastic straw sales went way down. Banning them means that people can't keep producing them. But at the end of the day, keep making waves. Call your senators. Vote for people who actually care about the earth and who are not just like getting paid off by corporations. Okay, if evangelicals have anything right, they know the way to actually make things happen is through legislative action. So they're real good at it. Congrats. And can I just suggest take off your shoes, put your feet to the earth, and just be present and see what comes. It'll be a beautiful experience. And we are Holy Ghosting. Subscribe on Patreon. We got fun things coming your way. Follow us on social media. We are on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. Holy Ghosting is a same team media production. Music by Weep Bar. AP Weber produced the show. We'd like to give a special thanks to Meredith Hawley and Eris Conflict Resolution for consulting with us about our stories. If you have a story of abuse and you're worried about telling it publicly, they're available to help you tell your story in a way that keeps you safe. Find them at erisresolution.com. Thanks for joining us. And if you miss us in between shows, you can find us on socials posting almost every day at Holy Ghosting Pod, Instagram and TikTok. I want to say I had an idea in the middle of this episode. Uh, I think that we should, for Patreon, I think that we should watch Fern Gully and we should discuss Fern Gully for <gasps> yes, a Patreon episode. Let's do it. Okay, so February that. trip. Yeah, and even if, yeah, oh, that's we should watch it on our trip. Yeah. And then just do like a quick like 20 or 30 minute like talk about we got to find like the a, agenda. Like, is there a way for us to organize? This might be too complicated, so stop me if I'm going crazy, but it feels maybe possible if we could have a, we're live, we're watching it 
on this platform at this time on this day. If it if and it's if on like a platform, come, we could. I mean, no, no, we yeah. don't have that many people, but it might be a kind of a fun way to do some stuff on social media and and on Patreon as well, potentially. Oh yeah. Okay, I guess I have to end this. Thank you.